struck me is how this 2,000-year-old letter is so relevant now as we've been going through the different themes, as we've been going through the different challenges that the church in Corinth were facing. We're just seeing how relevant they are for us now. And there's this section we've landed on now, this section on spiritual gifts, these three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, that's no different. These are incredibly relevant for us now. We started this section last week. Uh, We started just by looking at the foundation that Paul sets out in the first three verses. And so I want just to, to recap what we saw from God's Word last Sunday. This is, this is a foundation. This is a building block. There were serious troubles at the church in Corinth, and they were getting spiritual gifts wrong, and that was to the detriment of the church. And it's very important for us to get this right. Uh, the, the first point that we saw last week was spiritual gifts matter in the life of the church. We, we saw that particularly from... Uh, Verse 1, I do not want you to be uninformed. And I was explaining last week that tragically, some of the worship that was entering into the church at Corinth, those 2,000 years ago, had been stolen from the culture, and there was false and, and fake manifestation of spirituality and gifts within the church life, and it was wrong. And it was a problem. And and, and Paul didn't want the people then to be uninformed. And similarly, in this day and age, in our own lives, we have this passage of Scripture so that we won't be uninformed, that we will be informed, so that we can see what God wants us to know and and learn about spiritual gifts. Uh, Our second point that we saw from these first three verses last week is some alleged spiritual gifts can be fake. And and, and we we realize that fake spiritual gifts are usually called out by the third point that we saw. We saw that spiritual gifts will declare Christ as Lord. And so if a manifestation of a spiritual gift doesn't declare Christ as Lord, it's one of two things. Either the gift has been wrongly used or the gift has been faked. It wasn't a true gift. It was something that somebody or someone felt they they needed for that occasion or for whatever reason. Now, during the week I was asked by by someone, someone was chatting to me about this, and I was asked for examples of uh, fake gifts. And so I just want to go back and recap a couple that I mentioned last week, uh, and, and then maybe another one that will help us with this. If someone's making a word of utterance or or, or prophecy, that's what they say they're doing. And this utterance, this wisdom, this prophecy goes against God's word, then that's fake. That is fake. It's not a spiritual gift. If someone's declaring A miracle or a breakthrough over a businessman who's clearly involved with illegal activities and he's wanting God to to bless this illegal activity and he is uh, declaring 
miracles and breakthroughs over him. Well, this is not of the Lord. It's not got Christ at the center. And it needs calling out for what it was. But many of you may well remember a a viral video that was going around a while back. And there was uh, a person who was being raised from the dead. I don't know if you recall this. There was the coffin, and there was this man laid out in the coffin. And there was this alleged man of God doing this hocus-pocus around him. And then the deceased climbed out of the coffin. And in climbing out of the coffin, his mobile phone fell out of his pocket. This person was from Africa. And I'd just like to ask the question, what African would get buried with his mobile phone? Or what loving family member or undertaker would let such a valuable asset get buried? It doesn't happen, does it? And so these things are fake, tragically. And it happens. But we also have to remember that just because spiritual gifts can be faked, it doesn't mean that conservative churches have the right to say that spiritual gifts don't exist. And it doesn't mean that we should be afraid of them. We should be afraid of fake. But we should realize that we shouldn't be uninformed, as Paul was telling the Corinthians and as God's word is saying to us now. And so also last week we saw that there was a sense that Paul was pointing the Corinthians back to their salvation and showing that how salvation is totally linked to spiritual gifts. Salvation is a gift. It's not earned. It's not, it's not something we can uh, buy. It's not something that we can earn by doing stuff. It is a gift. It is free. There's no strings attached to it. It's a free gift. Christ came to this world to save his people from their sins. And Christ is that indescribable gift given by God so that we can be made right with him. And salvation is coming to know Jesus as Lord before we are saved, before we are born again, before we are regenerated, before we uh, make that decision, as some of us use that language. Before that happens, we are dead in our sins, and we are Lord of our own lives, and we don't want Christ. And when salvation works, when the Holy Spirit works in our lives, Jesus Christ becomes our Lord, and he is in his proper and right place. And salvation is when we receive the Holy Spirit. Salvation is when we receive the Holy Spirit. And and this is very important, and it's there set out in this passage, but it's also underlined in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, and Acts 2 uh, and 38. And so the moment someone becomes of faith. The moment someone trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and truly repents and receives the Lord Jesus as their Savior, when that happens, when that happens, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. They become, the Holy Spirit becomes one with them in that sense, not, that, not one with them, but he comes part and he indwells them. And that is something that all believers have in common at the moment of salvation. And we would do well to remember this, and the Corinthians would do well to remember that, that the Holy Spirit isn't something that comes later. It comes, He comes at 
our point of salvation. And so very often we think of spiritual gifts as gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as we go through this passage here, the first thing I want us to to note, the first point we have this morning, is spiritual gifts are not just from the Holy Spirit. We we sometimes refer to them as gifts of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that, that gives them to us. But there's more to it going on than that. And we see that in the verses 4 to 6. God the Holy Spirit is involved with spiritual gifts. God the Son is involved with spiritual gifts. And God the Father. In verse 4 it says, but the same Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. In verse 5 it says, but the same Lord. That's Jesus, the Son of God. And in verse 6, it says the same God, that is, God the Father. And so, within this area of spiritual gifts, just as within salvation, the triune God is involved in this whole process. There are a variety of gifts, there are a variety of services, there are a variety of activities. And and it tells us there in those three verses, and the word variety keeps getting repeated. And when a word keeps getting repeated in God's word, it means we must sort of think, what does this mean, what's going on? And it's just saying there's a variety. There's different gifts. There's not one gift, there's not the gift. There are gifts, there are a variety of gifts. But alongside these variety of gifts, there's a contrast. There is one triune God. There is only one God. And this God is made up of the three individual persons of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And what I find very interesting is lists keep coming up. And and this is a list here which is listed in what we may say is the wrong way. So often we we, we think of the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's how it rolls off. But here, as Paul is writing to these Corinthians, he says the Spirit first, and then the Son, and then the Father. And, uh, well... If something different happens, we have to ask ourselves, why? What, what's, what's going on here? And I think we just should remember this, that the, the members of the Trinity are co-equal. There's not a rank. There's not an order. There are differences in their roles, just as there are differences in the roles in husband and wife, and male and female. But there is an equality. And so it's just thrown up here a bit differently. And no one's upset. God the Father hasn't sat in heaven sulking because his name came last. That's not what's going on here at all. But within spiritual gifts, there is a sense that the point of contact, if you like, the point of interaction between us as believers and the Godhead is through the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God. And these verses really teach us and underline the, the individual persons of, of the Godhead are all involved with our spiritual gifts. The, the, the Spirit gives, the Son serves, and God the Father energizes 
and, and, and enables this to, to, to happen and enables these gifts uh, to work because he empowers them, as it says there in verse 6. And so just here in this, we can see something of the inner life of the Godhead. We, we see something of the, the amazing nature of God here. Because the triune God, just as the triune God is incredible in our salvation, the triune God is incredible in these gifts of the Spirit, these spiritual gifts that are given to us. The whole of the Godhead is involved. And, and this, this illustrates, and I'm sure it's here at the beginning, because it illustrates some of the points that Paul is going to bring out later. You see, we see the Spirit giving and the Son serving and the Father energizing. And, and we could put it like this, and it's, it's a bit crass because it's spiritual and it's beyond us, but we, you probably heard the expression of, of, of something uh, that is bigger than the sum of its parts. If you have uh, three people working together and they're all making an item, it might take them each a week to make that item. But if those three people divided the work and they all just did one part of it, they might be able to do more. In fact, very often they do. And we see this, that very often being part of something that is, that is bigger than the sum of its parts. And so we see the, 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 the Godhead here. And the Godhead has individual roles within this process. And then the Godhead is working just as the same way as, as believers. We have individual roles within our church life and our spiritual giftings. And, and, and we'll come on to that in much more detail when we, when we see the section that's titled here, One Body with Many Members. There is one God. And there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And because of that triunity, they can do far more. And, and they can do what they do do. And it's a kind of little picture for us that as a church, as individuals, we just have one gift. But as a church, we have gifts all together. And that allows us to function in the way that God would have us function. Now we're going to see a lot more of that as we continue in the series. God the Father sends his Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. We know that verse so well. And we know that Jesus came to this world and he had a task to do. He was sent to, to, to redeem, to save, to be the rescue mission for his people. And it's his people because God the Father has given these people to his son. And, and Jesus gives his life to redeem these people. And before Jesus gives his life, he talks about giving the Holy Spirit. In fact, he talks about talking to the Father to give the Spirit to the people. And the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit brings us to a point and gives us spiritual life. The reason we call upon the name of the Lord and are saved is because the Holy Spirit works in our lives and ignites us and turns us from being dead to being spiritually alive. 
And the Holy Spirit gives us at that moment of regeneration, spiritual gifts. And, and so we see here that the triune God is setting us an example of gift giving and not gift grabbing. And this is really quite interesting, isn't it? Because here is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about spiritual gifts. And their concern is about giving. And, and their involvement is in lots of different ways. But essentially, it's a giving involvement to us. And yet, as a church, as individuals, rather than acknowledging these gifts as something special, we, we can get it wrong and, 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 and grab these gifts and, and have the wrong emphasis on, on the gifts. Don Carson, in his commentary on these verse, on these chapters, he says something along these lines. He says, it's no longer about gift grabbing. Because Jesus didn't come to consider his gifts or his abilities something to be held on to. He wasn't involved in gift-grabbing, gift-grasping, or gift-exploiting, but he gave his life. His gifts were used and given. And so I want us just to sort of think about this and ask ourselves the question, how do you use your spiritual gifts? Your spiritual gifts that you have, believer, have been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his life blood. And God the Father empowers these spiritual gifts himself, as it says there in that verse 6. And the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at conversion, is why we have these spiritual gifts. And so the question really we should be asking ourselves, and this is why this whole subject is so important, is what are we doing? What are you doing with your spiritual gifts? What are we doing as a church with these spiritual gifts? Are we going to be Christ-like and be free and willing to see these gifts used for the benefit of the church? Or are we going to be gift-grabbing and gift-grabbing and gift-exploiting? Because they're all things that were happening in the church at Corinth that were making it go wrong. And we'll see that as we go on. You see, Paul goes on to teach the Corinthians how to use their spiritual gifts correctly. But he also starts off by underlining the real importance of why they should be used correctly. And they should be used correctly because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, is investing into us with these spiritual gifts. They are the gifts from God through the Holy Spirit, through the work of Christ's redemption and salvation, through the power of God the Father. And when we go on to, to read chapter 14 and study chapter 14, we, we, we really understand there to a greater extent why we need this foundational teaching why we need to understand this. 
And, and when we look at the church at large and look around the world and we see some of the things that are going on, we can understand why this foundational teaching is so important. But I think we need to bring it to our own hearts. It's so easy to point out there at the church out there and say this, that, the other. And we shouldn't be doing that so much. What we should be doing is, is, is asking the Holy Spirit to point into our hearts. And to our church here, LPC. And when we do, I think we realize that we need this teaching too. We need God to help us not to be gift-grabbing, gift-grasping or gift-exploiting, but to be Christ-like, God-like, Holy Spirit-like in the application of the gifts. And so Paul then moves on to his teaching and he makes a really, really important statement in verse 7. And this statement in verse 7 is a statement that so often is gotten wrong. And it was gotten wrong in the church of Corinth. And we can see that in, verse, in chapter 14 and in the example there. But I want to say this. The point here, and the second point that we're bringing out this morning, is spiritual gifts are not primarily for your personal benefit. Now, I say your personal benefit. I'm assuming that you are a Christian, you are believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not, then spiritual gifts aren't for you. As we saw last week, spiritual gifts are only for those who are Christ's children, brought into God's family. But spiritual gifts are not primarily for your personal benefit. I'm sure you've probably heard the story of the confused husband. It's often confused husbands. But this is a particular story about a confused husband. He cannot understand why his wife isn't excited about his gift to her. Yeah, maybe some of you gentlemen who are married, you, you, you know this. Or maybe some of you gentlemen who want to be married, you, you, you really don't understand why she wasn't totally enamored by your gift that you bought her. You see, this gentleman, he was sure she would like the PlayStation. And not only was she sure she would like the PlayStation, he bought her Call of Duty as well. And he just can't work out why she's not grateful for this Valentine's gift. Well, we laugh, don't we? Because we know exactly why she's not grateful for this Valentine's gift. Because it wasn't really for her, was it? He was giving it for himself. He wanted to do that. Apparently, I don't know if this is quite true. Did I get a Lego set when I was two years old? Or was it three? Four years old. Before I could... Dec- no, no, no. I'm not saying my dad wanted a Lego set for himself, but... But you, but you get this idea, don't you? But n- normally, we expect a gift to be for ourselves. But th- this is different here. And it's a bit different with the spiritual gifts, because they're not primarily for the individual. And this really goes against the culture of today. The culture of today is all about individualism, and me, and my, and mine, and what I'm about. And when we become part of God's family, it's it's not like that. It's it's different. There's a little bit of a joke in our family. 
and my children are not here, so I'm not going to embarrass anybody. But when the, the cake has been shared or the sweets have been shared, and, and I think I should have a bigger portion than everyone else, and, and the children look at their greedy father with eyes of saying, well, what's that all about? And I say, well, we're not communists in this household, yeah? We're not, not socialists. We, uh, you see, we all have this idea, it's all about us. It's me, it's mine, and communism it should work, but it doesn't work because not everyone is equal. But this is all turned upside down. You see, what's going on here is Christ is passionate about his church. He's passionate about his church, and we, as God's people, are his church. Our identity is we are Christ, and as Christ, we are his church. And these gifts are for the common good, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is seen manifest in spiritual gifts. And this manifestation, the outworking of these gifts, is for the common good. And the spiritual gifts go so, so badly, badly wrong when people think that they're for themselves. And they go even worsely wrong when someone thinks that they can monetize. Dare I say it? Monetize, businessize, franchise spiritual gifts. And you may say, well, the common good there, is that really talking about the church? Well, okay. We go to God's Word, and God's Word explains God's Word. And in a moment, we're going to look at some of the other lists of spiritual gifts. And there's a list in Ephesians. We read it. And, and, and just after that list that we read in, in, in Ephesians 4, in verse 11 it says, this is the reason for this list. This is the reason for these gifts. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. To apply spiritual gifts upon yourself is being selfish and it's not doing what Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit intended for these spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are for the building up of the body. They are for the work of ministry. There's nothing there about them being for making money, for building an Instagram account. It's nothing here about your social media profile. There's nothing here about building a name for yourself. There's nothing here about you personally feeling good. It is for the work of the ministry and the building up of the body. The manifestations of the Spirit are for the common good. And then you might say, but that was Paul in Corinthians, and that was Paul in Ephesians. But this idea is not just from Paul. If we go to Peter and in his first epistle, and again, there's a little tiny list of, of, of spiritual gifts there. And he says this in verse 10, as each has received a gift. We all receive gifts as God's children. It's a gift that we get. And uses to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Use it to serve one another. 
one another. Spiritual gifts are for the church. There's no mistaking it. Spiritual gifts are primarily for the benefit of the body of Christ, for the church. Now this doesn't mean that we won't be blessed as we manifest these gifts for the good of the church. But but if we attempted to model them primarily for our own benefit, then we have got it wrong. And as we go into chapter 14, we will see how this was being gotten wrong by the Corinthians. And, and, And rather tragically, we can look around the world and maybe we can look into our own hearts now. And we may be having to confess that we've got it wrong. That we have thought that these spiritual gifts are all about me and mine and me becoming more spiritual. No, that's not what it's about. It's not how God's kingdom works. We work and function as a body. And these are for the blessing of the body. And as my spiritual gifts bless you, your spiritual gifts bless me. And as hers bless them, that's how it works. And it's not a selfish thing. It's not an individualistic thing. This is how God intended it to be. And so when people concentrate solely on what their spiritual gift does for them personally, they're missing the point. But worse, the church is missing out. Because when you selfishly hold on to that gift, thinking it's blessing yourself, you're depriving God's church and his family from the blessing that should come out from that gift. Because that's what it was intended for in the first place. Now, as you can imagine, in, in, in preparation for this series, I've been doing lots of reading. And I've been trying to read stuff that will stretch me. Not just stuff that I agree with, but stuff that I think is out there, and stuff that is, and, and, and looking and praying and saying, what does God's Word say? But just the other day, I read this article, and its title was Seven Reasons Why Every Believer Should Speak in Tongues. Seven Reasons Why Every Believer Should Speak in Tongues. Now, I'm not going to make a comment on the title today, except for that it's wrong. We'll come on to that from God's Word later. But what did strike me is when I read these seven reasons, every single one that was given was for a personal benefit. There was no mention of the church being edified. There was no mention of the church being blessed. There was nothing. It was all about me, 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 and me. And that's not what the motivation of speaking in tongues should be as a spiritual gift. That's not what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is for the benefit of the body, not just something you hold on to yourself. And so sadly, we see things going wrong. Gifts being wrongly appropriated because people are using them for their personal benefit rather than for God's church and for God's glory and for the brothers and sisters in Christ. As I keep coming on to this, this chapter 14 tells the Corinthians those 2,000 years ago how they were to use tongues and how they could be a blessing to the church then. And it was for the benefit of the church. There was clearly defined how it was to be done. It was to be done, it be to translate it so the church could benefit from it and it was used properly. And tragically, so many times, 
spiritual gifts are being hijacked. And what is really tragic, or it's, it's, it's a double tragedy because the devil is so, so active. There are people who hijack the spiritual gifts for their own benefit. And then the other side, there are people who should be thinking about their spiritual gifts and using them for the benefit of the church. And they, they see them over there and they're so afraid they don't do anything about them. And the devil is winning and winning and winning and he's stopping these gifts being a blessing to God's people, to you and I. Spiritual gifts are to be for the benefit of the church. And that is why the subject of spiritual gifts is so important. We will miss out as a church if we don't recognize and use the the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. Because they're given for the benefit of the church. And as we go through the rest of this teaching, as we go particularly into chapter 14, we can see how important this is and how this principle here so often, when it's got wrong, causes problems after problems after problems. So secondly, we saw that spiritual gifts are not primarily for your personal benefit. But I also just want to make mention here of verses 8 to 10. And, and, and the point here is spiritual gifts are not all listed here. Now, now we're going to go into these spiritual gifts in more detail in due course. Today is not the time. But what I just want to say is there are uh, a variety of gifts recorded for us in God's Word. In fact, there are, there are five lists of spiritual gifts within the New Testament. And not one of them is definitive. Not one of them has uh, the whole piece there. They're all slightly different. And the first two of these lists are found in this chapter 12. And the very, very first one is the one that we are looking at, the verses here we're looking at today from verses 8 to 11. There are nine here. We have utterances of wisdom, utterances of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And then if you just flip a little longer in that passage, verse 28, there's another list. And Paul's ranked them this time, or put them in a number order to start off with. He says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, six, helping, seven, administration, and eight, various kinds of tongues. Last week, if you remember, we read from Romans, in Romans chapter 12, and there's a list of seven there, and that list of seven in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6 starts with prophecy goes on to service, then teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and showing mercy. Be no surprise where we're going next, because it's there on the screen. Ephesians 4 and verse 11, which we read earlier today, which uh, lists five. And it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And sometimes overlooked is the shortest of these lists in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. And it says, whoever speaks as one who speaks 
oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. That's why they're here. The gifts are here to declare Christ Jesus as we saw last week. But just the, the, the two there talking of speaking and talking of service. And so just to come back to, to, to our list there, that list in verses 8 to 11, it's not definitive. You can see on the screen there that there's, that there's similarities, but there's no one list that has it all. They've got differences there. And it, it, it kind of gives us the, the notion that there is some fluidity within this, that there's, there's some change. As time goes by, there's, there's some differences with it. There are there's also some people who would feel that there are other spiritual gifts that are not even listed here. And people may say that uh, the, some, some spiritual gifts are involved with how one can sing and musical and other areas. Uh, and, and so there, there is a degree of, of fluidity in here. Now, in, in some ways, the actual gift is not the important matter. It's what you do with the gift that you've been blessed with that's important. Now, that, that may sort of sound a bit strange. But, but let, me, let me think of it like this, yeah? The, 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 the list is different things here. And, and the reality is, as we know, we have different gifts. So what's important to us isn't so much the list. The important thing with us is, what are we doing with our gift? Are we using it correctly? Are we using it for the benefit of the church? Or are we selfishly keeping it to ourselves? Or are we so afraid of the whole arena of spiritual gifts that we don't even get our spiritual gift out of its packaging because we're fearful of what that might mean? We just need to ask the Lord to really help us here. But as we go through these lists, and I'm sure as we went through that list then, and I'm sure as the Corinthians were listening to that list being read off to them, I'm sure that suddenly questions would come to their mind. And maybe you had some questions like this as, you, as we went through them. Are some spiritual gifts more important than others? Or how do I know what my spiritual gift is? That's a great question. And maybe you're reading through that list and thinking, well, what, what, what is my spiritual gift? Or, or maybe you're thinking, how do I obtain a spiritual gift? Or maybe you're thinking, looking at that list and thinking to yourself, are all these gifts for now? Or do some people have more than one gift? Or what's the difference between a spiritual gift and a natural talent? Can I learn or develop a gift? Can I choose what spiritual gifts I have? And, and, and that these are just questions that came to my mind, and you may be having more. And now is not the time to answer them. But as we continue through this letter, these questions are going to be answered. And what does happen is Paul immediately goes on to answer one of these questions. One of these questions, can I choose what spiritual gifts I have? And our last point is from verse 11. And our last point simply is this. Spiritual gifts are not chosen, they're given. Verse 
in verse 11. Before verse 11, as, as he goes through that list from 9 to 10, he keeps saying one gift is given to one and one gift is given to another and this and one gift given and given and given and given. And it's underlining these gifts are given. And then when he goes to verse 11, he explains how this happens. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit has decided what spiritual gift or gifts you have. It's as simple as that. You, you, you don't get to decide. Yeah? Now before we start reacting against this, because let's be awestruck by what's going on here. This is absolutely incredible. This is amazing. That the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is empowering you personally with spiritual gifts. Do you get this? I think we miss out so much. We don't ponder on the wonder of this. We wonder on the cross of Calvary. We wonder on the amazing fact that Christ came to die for our sins, and we should. But friends, not leave it there. The very being of God, His Holy Spirit, comes and He empowers us. And He apportions to you a spiritual gift or gifts. He has chosen it. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what your future is. He knows what your jobs are. He knows what he wants you to do. It's all been planned out and he has decided. He has willed what he's going to give you. And we should be saying, hallelujah, amen. This is incredible. This is amazing. And yet what we do is we say, I want the gift of tongues. I want to be a prophet. If only I could do this. If only I could do that. Friends, we waste so much time looking around thinking, I want this and I want that, when we should be delighting in the fact that the Holy Spirit is indwelling us and giving us this amazing gift or gifts, whatever He has willed, and it is perfectly, righteously, exactly what we should have. And tragically, today, the church gets it wrong, just like the church in Corinth did. There's nothing new under the sun. 2,000 years ago, they were getting it wrong. 2,000 years ago, they were getting so excited about tongues, and this whole chapter 14 is, is about that, and, and then the mess that the church is in. It's not a good church in this regard. It's a mess. And similarly, 2,000 years on, we see it just the same. Some years back, Mommy Rachel and I were interviewing a lady for membership. She's not here now. She's gone back. And, and, and I asked her the question, which most of you who have come into membership will have had this question. It's one of the last ones. Why LPC? Why do you want to become a member of LPC? And, and she looked a bit nervous. That's a bit strange. And, and she smiled. She said, honestly? And I said, yes, honestly. And she said, well, it's because my son, and her son was about about six or seven years old at the time. Is that right? No? Okay. He was young. And she said, he has been taught the Bible in that Sunday school. And she said, the Sunday school he used to be at, he has been taught how to speak in tongues and shout at the devil.
That was the experience in a previous church. And then it may be an experience that you've had. I don't know. But it's how do you teach a gift from the Holy Spirit? How do you demand a gift from the third person of the Trinity of God? And this is the circus that's happened out there. Teaching people to speak in tongues is not a spiritual gift. Going to a school of prophecy to learn how to prophesy is not a spiritual gift. It's wrong. Because a gift is given by the Holy Spirit himself and he indwells us and he gives it to us. Now, yes, we may need help and guidance and working out what our gifts are, etc., etc. Absolutely. I I once personally saw a so-called faith healer practicing a healing. Which he'd learned. He was balancing the length of the legs of his victim. He told them their their backache was due to the fact that the legs weren't the same length. Is that the Holy Spirit? He was practicing what he had learned. Just this week I read an advert online. Our online live introductory worship workshops everyday prophecy for everybody provide coaching and feedback with plenty of opportunity to practice the gift of prophecy with others that sort of rubbish is robbing the church of the real thing That delusion is weakening the church of what we really need, friends. As brothers and sisters, we need to be attuned with the spiritual gifts that God has blessed us with through the precious blood of Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it's for the benefit of the church, and it is a gift. This false teaching is harming the Christ's bride. It's harming the church, and we desperately need the real thing. At LPC, we need the triune God to enable us to manifest the gifts that we've been given for the common good. That's what we need. And when that happens, this place is going to be ablaze, and the nation around us will see. But if we're desperately trying to fake gifts, or get things that are not ours, or or we're demanding our own spiritual well-being and gifts for our own spiritual well-being, then we haven't got the real thing. And it's a mess. And it's a circus. And it doesn't bring honor and glory to God. And these things are serious. These things are so serious that Paul said... Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. And we're beginning to be informed. And we've seen here today that gifts are not just from the Holy Spirit, but the triune God works them in our lives. And friends, let's not forget that spiritual gifts are not primarily for our personal benefit. They are for the church and the building up of the church.
There's a big list there. Let's get excited about exploring it in the days and weeks to come. And let us not forget that these spiritual gifts are not chosen. They're given by the Holy Spirit. What better giver of gift could we want?